Hey guys, happy for you all to hear this one. Honestly, it's uh, it's been a long time coming for my wife and I just to sit down and talk and let you guys in on it. Hopefully it's a fun ride for you and gives you insight into our spiritual journey. Now, I honestly wanted to make this pre-show notes just to acknowledge a somewhat poor sound quality that I want to apologize for because I had a connection wrong. Uh, Bottom line, Matt Carter wasn't around to help me. So uh, it's not, it's really not bad at all. It's just not as quality as it usually is on this show, which I guess isn't uh, that high of a standard in the first place. But peace, love, and uh, feel free to go to pastorwithnoanswers.com. And thanks to all of our listeners. Enjoy the show. And this is the pastor with no answers. And I want to tell our listeners here that this is my wife and I sitting with one another. We're across from each other and we both have microphones in our hands and we're in the same room, just the two of us. And this has never happened ever. Like this is a first. We've been married for 15 years and we're sitting in a room by ourselves with microphones recording a conversation. And so I'll put it this way. We will probably talk about things similarly to how we typically uh, talk about them content-wise, but you try to have a conversation with your wife or husband with a microphone knowing that other people are going to hear it, and you see if you can make it completely natural. Do you feel completely natural right now, Priscilla? Because see, I don't ever talk to you like this. (laughs) I don't ever laugh like that. I mean, nothing I do right now do I typically do. Because I'm never holding a damn microphone in front of me while I'm talking to my wife. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, kind of weird. Kind of weird. Well, I've been meaning to do this for a while, actually. And um, just, you know, because I I feel that Priscilla and I have had a lot of good conversations that afterwards, being a podcaster, is just how my mind thinks. My I, I see the whole world through podcasting, honestly. Like, everything is a podcast to me. Great. So, when I uh, when I have conversations with her, I don't think, gosh, that was so good to connect with my wife. This is awesome. I'm so glad we talked about this stuff. I think, why didn't we have a recording of this? Hmm. I'm just kidding. That's not true. That's not true. So I, I think where I want to steer this conversation, and I, I honestly think that it will probably be one of maybe 12 episodes ongoing probably more than that, is just me and Priscilla's pathway spiritually, because here we are, we've been married for 15 years, but by the way, dear, happy 20th anniversary. We're coming up on a 20th anniversary of knowing each other in October. She doesn't remember those dates, but I do, because I believe in love and commitment and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and give you some props. I'm the fake, I'm the fake uh progressive you're the real progressive so i've thought of some and i'm glad i don't want to be a progressive 
I am in some way, but I don't even like that label. <clears throat> but it fits. People know what it means. But I have thought about some uh, landmarks in our relationship that I know you consider landmarks as well, some more significant than others. Uh, so I want to bring up the first one, and um, that would be my visit to you in Minneapolis when I was definitely trying to capture your heart for good so you wouldn't get away, and I knew you didn't have much money because you're a college student, and I was a full-time teacher, so I could just do whatever I wanted to you do. You had a salary, and I did right. it. That's right, and you loved Barnes & Noble. Um, one year before that, I didn't even know what Barnes & Nobles was. Hmm. <laughs> um, but you were looking at some books and you were super interested and you were carrying around like a stack and you took it to your table and then you're reading through them and I was just like, oh sweet, she found some books she's going to buy. Nope, you had no plans of buying them because you didn't have the money to do it. But you liked going to Barnes and & Noble and reading books there in the store. So I, like a cool, like I was awesome. I bought those books for you. And one, you know, basically... I think maybe two out of the three books was like an it's okay to be gay sort of book, right? Mm -hmm. Or was it one of them? Mm -hmm. So here we are in 2001. Did two you think, did you worry about me? No, not at all. 2001 and you are already not okay with the the tension. Or I, I want to be careful with my words. You were You were grappling with the tension between what your faith was teaching you and what you felt deep in your heart about the LGBTQ community. And I certainly was not uncomfortable with that, but I was certainly very resolute with what I felt. And you were you had the big question mark. I had the answers all made up in my mind because I was smart and I studied the Bible. Um, but I guess a very general question I want to ask you is, First five years of our marriage, for instance, how much did I? How much of a role did I play in you not really progressing towards what you needed to be? Because I can't take full responsibility now. If you think that I should, then that's that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. But you were brought up in the church. You went to the same church as I did. We rubbed shoulders with the same people. How much of it was me, though? Because we influence each other. Have you really thought about this before? Uh, like today, you really wondered I was thinking it? about this podcast. Because <laughs> the world is a podcast. That's why I was interested. We've never talked about it like you blame yourself or something. I don't. Oh, I'm done blaming myself. I wrote a whole book. <laughs> that was my that was my last step of blaming myself. So not I think you're still anymore. working through all if of that. If I accidentally backhand you, I am not blaming myself. <laughs> I will figure out. Uh, I mean, that'd you be swung to the other side. That will be legalistic for me to blame myself for hitting you. Now, oh gosh. Hmm. This is my wife, and we're joking. We joke behind closed doors, and we say very inappropriate stuff. I'm just kidding. And honestly, I hear some sincerity coming out. Um, I could actually see how that was a little bit too much, given that there are women that are beat by their husbands. So um, I do apologize for people that were sensitive to that. And please understand, I'm with my wife, and it's hard not to be who I am around my wife when I'm around my wife. Like, we cut up and stuff. So... I, think about that though like there were times when you and I were talking about gay people and you were kind of coming to me for some sort of 
guidance ish. I mean, you were you were a grown ass woman, so you didn't you didn't need me to walk you through everything. But you were just like, well, what does my husband think? Well, you know exactly what I said. Well, here's some scriptures. Mm-hmm. I love gay people too, but I pray that they're not gay because that's bad for them and that's a sin. I mean, these are things that I guarantee you I said in some way, shape, or form. So that had to affect you and your faith. Well, I think that at that time, um, I felt like you were open-minded to buy me those books because everyone that I, you know, rubbed shoulders with in the Christian world, I, I mean, it was sort of just... You just had to accept that that was wrong. There wasn't really, uh, I I wasn't really friends with anyone that was um, thinking any other way, which is why I was reading. Um, in fact, I can't remember the titles of them. I really wish I could. Now I don't even have them anymore. One it's was interesting it's okay now. to be gay. For real? Nope. Oh, well, because <clears throat> one of them was a book written by a gay man and his journey in life and just who he was and it was not i don't think he was a christian it was not a christian authorized book but i felt it was important to read it it's not christian approved (laughs) it's not christian approved in any of the christian bookstores um and then but i also wanted to read a book written by christians that what their point of view was basically at that time when we were dating or whatever we were, I was trying to hear both sides and figure out where I landed. And um, yeah, so I, I guess to answer your question, I don't know if you necessarily played a role in it. I think maybe, I guess you played a role in it just like everybody else to where maybe it's my own fault. I probably um, needed to really seek out someone that was more like-minded like me. But I felt like when I would have that conversation, I always felt like the only one that was open to the idea that that was not a wrong thing. Yeah. And so that led me to believe I needed to be okay with things I didn't understand. So um, I knew that I had Jesus in my heart, and I also knew I did not understand that. And so I felt like that was part of faith, is not understanding everything. Yeah. You you felt that early on, because that wh- I just wh- it makes me smile because that I, I wasn't that progressive. It's just you grew up in the South, so well, what I'm the saying- South is the art. No offense to people in the South, because a lot of people in the South are awesome, but the South is the last to open their minds to a change in the Christian evangelical world, and so you grew up in that. And so you're looking at me like I was just so progressive. I don't think I really was. No, I, get, I just I, happened to be in a little bubble, and I I wasn't rubbing shoulders with others that maybe were more open to it. Yeah, but what you said as far as, because I know what you mean by this, and it means way more than what you're even saying. You said that part of faith is not understanding. Now, in the Christian sense, that's like, of course, because God is so vast and we can't know him all and all that stuff. But what you're talking about is, I mean, there are things that are just so open-handed, we'll never completely understand it about super important things that some people, you know, split the church on. And that's even okay. The reason why I asked if that's how you were feeling early on is because if that's the case, it took me 12 years later 
to figure that out. So I, I, I was. I don't think it was figured out though. I think so. Unfortunately, what I thought I had to do was decide I didn't understand why God would allow someone to be gay if it was wrong. And I was like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, obviously, because they're they were molested. <laughs> That was a joke. That was another That's bad, a joke. bad joke. Yeah, that was a bad joke. You need joke. to stop joking like that. <clears throat> well, I, I guess when I joke like that, I'm actually making a mockery at the people that say that kind of stuff. But still. Okay. Um, well, here's another question that I thought of today was, if I had not been changing through the years, so I, I like to go back to 2004. You and I kind of quit our jobs and traveled. It was the Republicans' chance to keep the White House, and it was, you know, I I still do love Bush as a person. I don't really care about politics anymore, but when I look at George Bush, it kind of makes me feel good inside. I just think, man, I'd love to hang out with that guy. Could be totally wrong. He could be manipulating his perception, but he seems like a very cool guy to hang out, as well as Obama and Clinton. I think those guys just seem pretty chill. But back in the day, I thought he walked on water. I thought everything he said was pretty much right on target. I thought he was a man of God. I thought that, I mean, I just was in awe of him. And and, and, and maybe some of that stuff is, is even true. But I also paired that with religion. And I really felt like the Republicans were the good guys because they disagreed with abortion. And, you know, they were a little hesitant with the gay people and I thought you know I mean it's just it's the world we live in this is tough this is challenging and so that's where I was what if I never changed like that's a, that's a crazy thought like if you were where you are at today I mean it, let's just say it like it is if this, if how Priscilla is in 2018 if that's how you were in 1999 when we really started getting to know each other and I was how I was in 1999, we would not have gotten married. Like you would have been, oh, that guy's goofy, he's fun, I like hanging out with his friends and him, but no way I'm gonna start a life with this guy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? So what, what if that's where we are right now? Like what if over the years you kept, you know, keeping your mind open to ways in which you could have been seeing things wrong or and you kept your mind open for how maybe the Bible isn't meant to be this absolute book on how to do life and uh you know everything was just right in front of you and you just took it, everything at face value and and you know you started figuring that stuff out and i was just like the hell with that like that's not how life is priscilla you know that i mean what do you think do you think we would have made it it's an interesting question actually not to avoid your question but i'm just like thinking back to that i think all that happened in the same year so i was living in cedar falls iowa and I was roommates, my roommate who... Um, so that, so we're going back to 2000, not 2004 when we were married. Yeah. Okay. When, same with when you bought me those books or yeah. whatever. I think this is all the same year or within the same couple of years. Um, during that election time, my roommate was working for the Gore campaign because I was swing state. And I'm getting information from her who's working directly with the entire campaign and at the same time, you literally felt it your mission to make sure I understood the right way to vote. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that? No, totally. I actually remember pacing, looking out the window, listening to you, and like you would you would never do this to someone now. 
And this but is on the phone, right? I think I was using is, ben, ben Huntington's cordless phone in the kitchen. It was really crazy because you actually said, like, how could you vote for someone that would kill babies? Yeah. And I was like, but they're not killing the babies. And I think voting for someone is more than just that. Because we were trying to talk about all the different things, and honestly, I really wasn't into politics at all. But I think growing up, I tended to, I guess... Um, the Democratic Party was more appealing to me. Yeah. So the first time I voted, I voted for Clinton. But um, you really, really challenged me a lot. So I remember, this is so ridiculous, I remember when it was time to vote and I just went on the internet and pulled as many articles as I could about both and I just sat for hours and I tried to read up on both candidates. Yeah. Even after all that conversation. Where for me, I was like, I don't need to do that. I know who to vote for. <laughs> I spent for. hours doing it. <laughs> And honestly, that's why I really did not love politics, because I, as I'm reading it, I'm like, what can I even believe like about who wrote this? Because everyone that's going to write an article is going to have a side or what they think or what they believe and whatever. Anyway, that is interesting to think about just, uh, I guess, as maybe closed-minded as I can think that that was, I guess, how you thought. At the same time, you were open-minded enough to not just judge me as some crazy, crappy person. Because well, I was attracted to you, so that just that's blinds That's all I had guys. going for me. <laughs> when you're attracted to someone at that age, it just blinds you. You'll date a liberal. You'll. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting to think about. I, I don't know. Like one of the things that comes to mind when you're saying that is remember when we were first married and I was working at Habitat for Humanity and we had dinner with that couple out yeah. in Kiowa. Yeah. And I wish I could remember their names and I wish the I was Polyaros. No, it wasn't them. Oh. Um, which I love them too. I, I really can't even remember their name, but one of them was on the board and they had us over for dinners because they were super nice. I think they want to get to know us. And I remember them being so flabbergasted at the things that we believed. Yeah. <laughs> and how we talked. And I feel like I look back at that now because you're you're trying to paint a picture that I was just so um, progressive and open-minded, but I definitely was somewhat discipled into speaking speaking the evangelical Christian lingo. Like I I really love the Lord. I loved doing missions, and I felt that that was you know I was growing, and I was sacrificing, yeah. and I was. Um, being steadfast in my faith and some of the things that we would say, I think they were just could not believe it. Couldn't believe like we would only marry someone that was also a Christian and believe the same way we did. Remember they challenged us on a, a little bit, a lot, like you can't be in love with someone that doesn't have the same faith as you. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, I think so. And I'm just, I'm not so sure. And I remember being so amazed that they were so amazed. Yeah. And I look back at it now, all these years later, conversations we had with your cousin in Seattle. Yeah. And the way that you felt called to ministry, so I was going to follow you back. We were in Seattle, very progressive place, but I was going to follow you back to the South. He had just smoked a bowl, probably. I was following you back to the South because you felt called to ministry. And his girlfriend was like, what about you? What do you feel called to? And I was like... Supporting I su my husband. I support him. <laughs> and they were so disgusted by that. And I 
look back at that and be like, I think if I were in their shoes seeing that, I probably would be the same way. I'm like, I don't it's, think not, no, not to it's that good degree. To, not, I don't think that degree, but I do think for, I mean, they saw each other as equals and honestly, newer in ministry for us, that was my role was to support you. Yeah. I did give up some of the things that I wanted to support you. Yeah. I mean, you were the head of the household. That was what we were raised to. Yeah. How we were raised to operate. And what's crazy, and I don't want to go into it right now, but that was, you're you're right, a lot happened because when we were in Seattle is when my aunt helped you get your hands on a book called Me Obey Him? Question mark. And it was all on, you know, biblical woman uh, submission. And honestly, woman submission. (laughs) Honestly. I can't say woman and women at, in appropriate times. Um, you actually read that with a very, very teachable heart. I mean, you, so in other words, you respect, you, to this day, you respect my aunt, and you did back then too, so you're thinking, well, whatever she gives me, it's probably got some truth into it. I mean, so you did read it with so an open mind. what I want to say about that, though, is I would never label a book, Me Obey Him, and pass that out to a bunch of women. Right. I would never do that. But some of the content that was in there was really good. So I do think that is something that's good to be teachable. And I think there's some things that I think probably stole from me and you in our life a little bit. But I think everybody has that in whatever they grow up in, whatever environment, there's always going to be some negative to the positive. There just is in every single environment, not just Christian. So. But I feel like I have always believed that men and women are equal. And so for me, I really did fight a lot against the submission thing and trying to understand what that meant. Well, let's let's make sure I know what you mean by equal. I never disagreed with that. So I just I I want to make sure like equal. What do you mean by that? Because don't. do you think that I ever thought that we were unequal? I just, I just. Yeah, but you're making in... about you, and I'm just talking about the Christian gotcha. culture that you and I were brought up in. You were brought up in the South. I was brought up in the Midwest, but we were both brought up in the evangelical church. Yeah. And so, it is a woman's role to support her husband. It just is. Do you remember the time we were in Iowa and you were so stubborn and you don't even know how to drive in ice and rain and there was a sure blizzard coming, yeah. and you decided. We are still driving to South Carolina. And I was like, a blizzard is coming? We shouldn't. My parents are like, you guys, a blizzard is coming. You really shouldn't go out. And I'm really upset. I'm really angry. And I'm like, he is determined to leave. And mom is like, she encouraged me to just follow your lead. And you're from the South and you don't know how to drive in that. And you drove. You didn't even let me drive. And everything worked out just fine. That's so funny. That's one of my fondest memories. That was so awesome. And you're you're the adventurous one. Apparently not. Um. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm just no, saying. Point, I look I look taken. back at stuff, and I think that if you and I are both going to fight to be the leader every single time, that's not always going to work out. Like sometimes I can just let you make a decision. So that's what I learned when I read that book. It was very freeing that I could trust that God was going to take care of me no matter what decision you made. And the thing that I believe though is vice versa. And so what is helpful is that over the years, you also were 
realizing that there are things that I'm stronger in. And so you just ask me what I think and we make that decision. But sometimes I was really never allowing you to make any decision because I always thought I knew best because I, I like, I'm a problem solver. So I like making the decisions yep. and, um, and it kind of made you feel like you didn't really get to make any. And so we experienced a time where I chilled out and I just allowed you to make a couple decisions in a tough scenario we were in in Seattle and it worked out great and I was so peaceful because I didn't feel like I had to control the whole thing the whole time. So yes, I was really open in that book, but at the same time, I don't know if obey is the best word yeah, to use. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. Going back to that couple that were perplexed by where we stood in our you know, perception of life and all of that, I don't remember them. I can't even put a face to them. So I'll speak a little more at liberty because I guarantee you they've never heard of Bad Christian or Pastor with No Answers. But I mean, is, is it okay? I, I mean, it's not worth anything uh, other than you and I learning and having a conversation, other people maybe being able to take part in that as well. But isn't it okay to also, uh, or is, isn't it accurate to say that wasn't totally cool on their part to look at us like we were aliens either like there's got to even be a place for them to be like okay they have different backgrounds they're not like us they obviously have parents different from us they're from other places oh yeah they're imperfect human beings like if it was that obvious like wouldn't you say that that's kind of not cool either like we're human beings and we (laughs) we should be afforded to be wrong in in certain things and so I'm seriously like if they were looking at us like we're from another planet, that's not cool. They weren't. They weren't mean about it. I just remember being very, like realizing, I think we're shocking them. Yeah. And I I feel like I look back at it now, and they were either a lot of the people that um, at least I knew at the time when I worked there. A lot of them were from the New England area or New York, and so they were not from the South. So to them, I think they were where they were retired and they were in legitimately a completely different culture than they had ever experienced. They were in the South and they were meeting super young married couple. We're in our young twenties and they could not believe what was coming out of our yeah. mouth because they're way older than us and were way more progressive in their thinking than we were. Yeah. So to them, I think they were just like, it was a crazy thing to be looking at really young people saying the things that we were saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, you know, and then I told them that pretty much I felt like my wife should have sex with me anytime I wanted to. I still don't understand, though, why they were so confused. What I wanted to ask is um, with, and, and I want to go in the direction of our of our kids a lot, but we probably won't be able to in this sitting. But this one will be a little more difficult to talk about just because there's a lot of painful memories and uh, something that you have and and still mourn. Uh, But it was when you were getting ready to go see your dad for the last time. And I think you kind of um, maybe you had a hunch that this could be it. You definitely knew once you were there, you were probably the only person that, you know, you knew this was it for your dad. But my my take and hopefully you knew it was with very I would even say admirable intentions like I love this guy I want him to be okay if he's going to die make sure he knows Jesus sort of thing 
And uh, I, I'm even hesitant to kind of pass this off like I'm defending myself because that actually puts you in a situation that you didn't want to be in and added more uh, emotion and tension and stuff to an already emotional uh, tense situation. But I think we are both very different uh, now how we were back then, but obviously you were a lot different from me back then too because that didn't feel natural for you and that wasn't something that you even bought into. So what I'm curious of though, and we've talked about this some, but but maybe not all the way through, did you believe the same thing that I did about hell? Because um, everybody who has listened to this podcast a few times, you know how my position has changed a lot on that. But at that time, I truly believed that if someone died apart from Jesus, they would be tortured forever and I did not want that for your dad did you believe that way as well but you were just but you also was like that's not my place to make sure that doesn't happen or did you were you already at a place where you're just like I don't know where people go when they die Uh, I don't think it was a matter of knowing where people go where they die I think it was more thinking that me I could just be so sure black or white whether a person was going to heaven or hell. I just, I still don't feel that way. I still feel like the soul is such an intricate, deep, personal thing that I think even whatever people even verbalize sometimes out loud, some of the things that people still hide in their heart, there's things that are just hidden. I don't feel like as open of a book as I am, I think there are still probably things in me that maybe you don't even know I think about or you don't even because it's just such a such a thing like it's just so and this is the first time we've talked in like two years too inside (laughs) of you that are sometimes I feel like even I don't totally understand maybe all of the things I feel or sense inside because it's it's soul it's a soul thing and we're created by God and only he really knows he knows us even better than we know ourselves so for me to be watching my dad dying who um, was a great man and also lived addicted to alcohol I think someone on the outside can think yeah he never beat that alcoholism and he never really went to church so yeah he probably didn't go to heaven and I'm like I, I just didn't think that and I didn't think I had to make him say a certain prayer to make sure like that felt way too simple to me. So sorry to break it to you. Congratulations, you were progressive at that time, or at the very least, way more progressed in your thinking than me. Because I just saw it as very black and white. I don't want your dad to go to hell. Do something. I mean, I that was be my- as progressive. I think it's easier for you to think in a space that's always black and white. And I hardly ever think in black and white. Yeah. So I mean, that's just the difference between you and me. But why is that not? Why is because. I think the only, and and you know, Matt and Toby being some of my closest friends, I know that there is some truth to this. To this, I think Matt takes it a little too far as far as, you know, I I jumped right on annihilationism when I heard that that could possibly be a biblically supported position because that made me feel good. That part of that is true, but in actuality, the the truth is, my whole life. I believed in something that I didn't want to be true. So I was also convinced as well. So there's a little bit of both, but how can you afford? 
And, and I know this once again, you know, part of the answer of this is, Joey, we're different people. But when it comes to spiritual stuff and where someone is going to spend eternally, and, and I'm asking this question from the standpoint of me back in 2013, in that context, not this context, how in the world isn't that too risky not to see black and white? I mean, we're talking about people's eternal souls, and that's what was so confusing to me. It was just like, yeah, but there's a huge chance that heaven and hell is exactly what people say that it is. We can't take any chances here. This is your dad. Yeah, I, I just, like to me, that makes me feel like you believed in such a small God yeah. to believe that way. Yeah. Because to me, I just think there's so much mystery to God and I'm watching my father and I'm watching him pass from where I am to where he's going. Yeah. And I did not feel in control of where his soul was going. Yeah. I just didn't feel that at all. Yeah. And I, I really think that if at, in his last moments, if he did need to do something to give his heart over, I feel like he had that chance. And he, yeah. and he did. Like, I don't, I don't know what, what me doing my, my man-made rules, honestly, of the sinner's prayer was going to make sure it made him into heaven. It was only going to make me feel better that I had some sort of thing I heard him say out loud. Where to me, I believe that all of that is so connected and rooted deeply in the heart and the soul of a person that anything that I make someone repeat after me could simply just be words. Yeah. I remember one thing that we talked about during that time. It was probably after he passed away. But one thing, and this actually was a huge stake in the sand building blocks for me, is... I realized that what your dad was not is someone that gave God the finger, said, F you, leave me alone, I don't love you. He basically never had that attitude about God, never spoke that way, never looked down on you and I being in ministry. In fact, um, revered that, thought highly of us. Uh, but was very, very pissed at religion, which, oh yeah, you and I are too. Like, uh, I mean, he, he was fueled with angry fury at the Catholic Church for trying to be above the law and let priests, you know, get off the hook for molesting. So it just hit me. I was just like, how could, uh, you know, and this is, this is when I believed in hell as a literal torture chamber. I was like, how could God send someone to hell who never rejected God. Like just be like exactly what you said, just because he didn't walk through this man-made prayer, just because he wasn't discipled, just because he wasn't constantly growing in his faith, how we see that as Christians, he never rejected God. He wasn't God. doing the works that everyone could see in the church. He was not going to church every Sunday and he was he was not volunteering in the church. He was generous. Yeah. He was probably um the most neighborly person I have ever met. Right. I mean, we always joke around anytime we see anybody that hangs out in their garage with the TV in it, we're like, oh, like we have a neighbor across the street who's like, reminds me of my dad every single right. day because he has his garage open and is always welcoming anyone on the street to hang out with them. That was my dad. Yeah. So he was super good at community and he was very generous. And yeah, if 
the church did a whole bunch of political talk on a Sunday morning and then passed around a plate for money. My dad stormed out pissed as hell. I remember chasing my dad out of a Catholic church being like, <laughs> I'm going to miss my ride. He got so mad because of the crazy. And I'm not trying to tear down Catholic church. That's just what my dad grew up in. And that's what, you know, he kind of experienced. But I think that it's just so interesting because unfortunately, um, during the time that me and dad's relationship was really hard, I was being fed all of that rhetoric or whatever you want to call it. And my dad was so angry at the church, but my dad loved me. Yeah. So my dad would always be open to hear me. He would never make me feel shitty for some of the probably very um, strict religious ways I was talking because that's how I was disciple. I look through some of my old journals, which is partly why I haven't journaled in several years until this year again, until like this holiday season we were snowed in and I had all this time. Because you just hate what you write? I hated what I wrote because oh I wrote gosh. what I was taught. I didn't even feel like it was me. And so I think about that now and I think I, I pretty much feel like I was probably just repeating things I was reading in books, things I was learning. And honestly, not all that is bad, but I just, I think it's so dangerous to think that we can just know everything. I think that what I kept trying to push out of myself was my curiosity and my love for the unknown and the mystery. Like I'm actually really comfortable in that. And I felt like the more I grew and the more I was discipled, it was almost like that was discipled out of me. Like I wasn't to be okay with mystery and I wasn't to be okay with things that are unknown. I was supposed to be sure of things. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. I was like, that was gr- drilled into my head, so I felt guilty for any of my doubts or, or even feeling comfortable with the unknown. Yeah. I actually feel more comfortable with the unknown. So I think about my dad, and I think um, I used to pray for him. I used to have my friends pray for my dad's soul, and I think... <sighs> What I should have been praying for was our relationship. Yeah. Like I somehow knew something my dad didn't. And maybe I did know some things, but I think he knew some things too. But because I was, I had all the Christian right answers, I don't know. I had a harder time receiving some of my dad's wisdom because of that. Yeah. And I think that's sad. I think that we can all just always learn from each other, just like that book, Me Obey Him. That that title was offensive to me then and is still offensive to me now but there are actually some good things in that book not that i agree with the whole thing but it helped me to be a little more trusting to let other people lead too you know what i mean yeah so i don't know i guess like i was remembering this for some reason this keeps coming up in a lot of things i feel like um with just people disagreeing and fighting back and forth Sometimes, even like that could happen between you and me, we can just be in such a sharp disagreement. It's hard to hear what you're actually saying because we believe so opposite or the tone in which we're saying it. So when we first started Seacoast James Island and you know everything was going really great, but someone turned in some sort of review card and like blasted everything about the James Island campus. And it was like, we worked so hard, all of our volunteers did, and it was just like... And it was silly. A lot of it was silly. Well, because of the way it was said, it was so like, it it was kind of crazy town. But, I mean, it's like a huge like marker that I want to always remember. Jeff Surratt said, 
as crazy as all of that sounds, can you pull something out of there that you can learn from? Yeah. And I love that he taught us humility even in that because a lot of people can just say, I'm not receiving that person's crazy town. Well, they were, but we could pull something out of there. Are there ever times, do you if think, If we can lower we our heckles and, and just not be so offended every second and actually try to pull something even if the person's a little crazy. I don't know. I mean, but do you, th- I, and I agree in that, that's a huge learning lesson for me as well, and I go back to that as well. But do you think there are times when it's just like, that is so hurtful and so inaccurate, I'm not going to pay attention to that because yeah, that's not sometimes, good for me. Sometimes, but if we start reacting that way every time something hurts us, if it's hard to hear, like, I just don't think we're ever going to grow. Yeah. And you're going to for sure be the opposite of progressive i guess i think progressive is a good word because progress is a good thing yeah (laughs) moving forward and change is is not evil is not bad so and not deciding that you've arrived and you know everything i think is a very healthy place to be so if somebody says something in a hurtful way it's not the best way to deliver it but if we have the maturity to still hear something said in a hurtful way, but what if there's truth in it? I mean, that you're just gonna grow exponentially faster yeah. than only being able to receive from people that talk to you in a kind way. Now, would you agree, and we'll, we'll save this for another episode, the, the um, I hate calling it a topic, but uh, for the sake of the conversation, I'll call it the topic. Do you think that that was something that you could have done in your season of hatred slash annoyance towards people that were there had minds made up about the LGBT community? Like, do you think that there was anything that those people can say that you can get any truth from? Or is that something that you reject altogether? Um, I think what I've learned is remembering how people have been raised up or remembering all i know is i'm thinking through some things i was afraid to maybe say out loud because then i thought people are going to start being afraid that i don't believe anymore and so i think that if you say you're gay affirming then people immediately are going to think then then what else are you going to pick and choose out of the bible and then people start being afraid that maybe everything they always grew up believing the thing that gave them peace and hope and gave them an anchor in their life is now they're not sure that's super scary and i feel like i'm more open to understanding why people i think it's kind of a fear thing i don't know and I think it's just how people grew up. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I guess I don't, I just don't agree with being so against insure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I think I can be more kind towards people that don't feel this, believe the same way yeah. as I do. And honestly, I think that was a poor example on my fault because, on my part, because I do think any sort of unlove towards that community is something that you can just reject altogether. What I should have said is some of the pushback that I gave you as far as your zealous borderline hatred towards the, um, the, the Christian right that 
no LGBTQ rights and all of that. Like I almost tried to help you with, well, yeah, but remember where people are coming from. Remember they didn't become hateful that, you know, overnight. Uh, so anyway, all that to say is I think I gave you a poor example. Of course you can reject people that hate the LGBT community. Um, I guess the last thing I want to ask you is I'm, I'm really good at this, right? Like I'm really good at uh, asking good questions and keeping <laughs> conversations smooth and like am I good? <laughs> you want a lot of words of affirmation? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do want to say this though for our listeners because a lot of you actually enjoy hearing from, uh, you, you actually want to hear from bad Christian wives and you have enjoyed hearing from Priscilla in the past. What I, you know, Priscilla and I are having fun together. We're laughing together. Um, this is enjoyable. We enjoy each other's company, but where, what I don't want you to come across thinking, in fact, I, I would like to uh, be very specific and accurate about this, that you and I are actually going through a tough time in our marriage. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the only thing that I don't want to do is like, see, look at this, a husband and wife walking through a lot of their deconstruction, laughing, and we're just, oh gosh, it's so easy to be best friends and life is so great. We're actually going through a very difficult time in our marriage. We actually just got home from being counseled about our marriage. So uh, it's not something that we'll delve into now, perhaps another time. But uh, anyway. It's a really good note to end on. Yeah, very good note to end on. Our marriage is hard. And uh, and this is the pastor with no answers and the husband with no answers.